Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're taking a look at markets that operate purely like their functioning primary markets and comparing them to secondary or derivative markets. Primary markets are essentially what it sounds like. If you want to buy tomatoes, you go to the farmer's market and you buy tomatoes for dinner. The price for tomatoes is the price you pay. That's a pretty simple primary market. Many markets operate this way, including real estate. It's a primary market and that's all. But when we're dealing with commodities that are used in the supply and manufacture of other derivative products, there are often secondary paper markets that can be used and they can often have larger dollar volumes than the primary market itself. But before we dive into that, we need to make a few definitions. The first is, what is a commodity? A commodity, by its very nature, is so difficult to differentiate that the product from one supplier is nearly impossible to distinguish from another supplier. As long as a minimum quality specification is met, these products are virtually indistinguishable from each other. There's many examples in the marketplace, including oil, wheat, iron ore, copper, pork bellies, corn, and so on. If you are running, say, a large bakery, and you're producing millions of loaves of bread per year, and you're supplying that bread to, say, Walmart, the price of wheat, yeast, and sugar, and perhaps raisins, all of the ingredients that go into making bread become important to you. You've negotiated a price with Walmart that Walmart's willing to pay for a loaf of bread from you. But if the price of the underlying ingredients are changing on a daily basis, then your profitability is going to be terribly uncertain. Wouldn't it be nice if you could write a futures contract with a farmer so that you have an agreed price for wheat delivered 90 days from now into the future? That might bring you some stability in your purchasing of ingredients. But what if you need even further certainty about price fluctuations? The price of wheat could still go up or down in the next 90 days. You want to buy some insurance against those fluctuations. You could buy an options contract at a very specific price and the value of that options contract would amplify based on very small fluctuations in price. Let's look at a simple example to make this clear. Imagine that you own an oil refinery and you want to buy a barrel of oil 90 days into the future. You want security of supply and you want control over the price. If oil today is at say $60 a barrel, you might want to lock in that price. But wait a minute. What if the price falls to $55 in the next 90 days? In that case, you would have paid too much. And since you can't really predict the future, you might want to hedge against the $60 contract. So you might decide, instead of just buying oil at $60, to use one of many possible option contract trades that could be effective in protecting you against price fluctuation that might hurt your business. You can hedge against future price increases and decreases, secure in the knowledge that you'll be able to operate your business within an acceptable price range for your supply. These additional option trades can be thought of like an insurance policy against price fluctuation. But these are all legitimate trades that are conducted for the purpose of feeding your business with a commodity that you're going to need to operate at a price you can live with. If your commodity is particularly volatile, then you might want to spend more on this kind of commodities futures contracts and the associated hedging strategies. It's there to protect your business. Southwest Airlines, for example, is famous for using very effective hedging techniques to secure the lowest average fuel costs in an industry where profit margins can be affected materially by oil price fluctuations. But in addition to the people in the oil industry, there's a lot more options traders who are simply trading the paper. They're trying to make money from trading the paper. 
and they have no intention of ever taking delivery of a barrel of oil or a rail car full of wheat. The fact is, it's estimated that 90% or more of the trades of these derivative financial instruments have nothing to do with the end consumption of the commodity. When there's a large volume of trades that have nothing to do with oil or wheat or copper, they're simply trading paper. They could be trading baseball cards or any other piece of paper. Okay, so what does this have to do with real estate? There's a number of people advocating that real estate should become more liquid and more tradable, much like commodities or Wall Street. Imagine for a moment that farmland for growing, say, corn was all priced as a commodity at a market price. Imagine further that you only have a few hundred dollars to invest, and therefore you want to buy, say, a tenth of an acre of land, but don't have a specific tenth of an acre in mind. You're buying a piece of paper that could be literally anywhere, and that option contract, when it expires, you would take delivery of your tenth of an acre. But what if you're just trading paper, no different than oil or wheat or an ounce of gold? Would these paper trades make real estate, in fact, more liquid? Would it improve the efficiency of the real estate marketplace? Whether this approach would be beneficial or not ties back to the very start of the conversation about the definition of a commodity. And it's in that inherent assumption that land is a commodity, which in fact may not be true, because not all land is in fact fully interchangeable. And for that reason, I believe these moves to commoditize the real estate market would actually be counterproductive. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.